the future of photography. Hello and welcome to the future of photography, the show where we explore how new technology can help you make fantastic photos. My name is Chris. And I'm Aide. Hey, everybody. Hey there. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Looking forward to this discussion today. <laughs> Which I've, I've had on the back burner for a long time, but now I think we have to do it. Um, we want to talk about light fields today. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a rough idea what a light field is? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, okay. So, so rather than uh, a light plane as such. So most cameras capture a two-dimensional light uh you know, sort of use a two-dimensional service to capture light and that renders a three-dimensional world into two dimensions but light field works in much more of a three-dimensional way it sort of does so so this whole thing was triggered by an email that we got from peter kennedy and he wrote as someone who has worked in the tv film industry for a while i've seen technology go from the rear projection in 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 back of the actors where the projector was the size of a vw and could only run for 20 minutes then had to be cooled down that must have been a long time ago uh, to the now ubiquitous green screen in practically every production. Recently, I heard that a camera software was being unveiled at the camera convention in Las Vegas that was able to differentiate between the actors and the background, therefore eliminating the need for green screen technology. From what I understand, you could then have the actor in front of any background and then put your preferred background in later. Any thoughts or comments on this? And have you heard about this? Apparently, at this stage, it is still extremely expensive. But as with most things, it will come down. I would like it if you guys could explore this side of photography. Thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Peter from Vancouver. Um, okay, and we have already kind of scratched on the on the surface of this in our second episode about depth. So go back and listen to that one if you want our preliminary thoughts on if, this. But if you dare, yes. <laughs> now, now what these things do, and um, <clears throat> l let's see how successful I can be in explaining what a light field is. But what the what these things do is they use uh, light fields to to uh, do this, and this has other implications and other opens up other possibilities um, so question is what is a light field and wikipedia says that a light field uh, that, that light field photography which is also known as plen optic photography that's a term that uh, you will read if you if you read up on that captures information about the intensity of light in a scene and also captures information about the direction that the light rays are traveling in space and um, in in order to 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 talk about this, I want to go briefly go down the the history route here and talk about so just, just before you just before you do yes the the difference then is is in the direction of the light so a, a traditional camera or traditional photo sensor or right. roll of film or whatever it might be sheet of film would capture the intensity. Of the and light. just the intensity at this point, yes. And just the intensity and might also use uh, color filters to capture the color of that light. Right. Um, but the difference with light field is it captures the direction the light is traveling from. So is it traveling straight towards you? Is it traveling at a, a shallow angle, a steep angle, up, mm -hmm. down, all around Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll we'll talk about this in more in more detail as we okay. progress through this episode. So f first of all, um, yeah, let's talk about Lytro, which is a product that uh, came out back in 2012. Um, the original Lytro light field camera 
and you might have you might remember this looked like a square tube kind of thing like a big a big lipstick sort of thing <laughs> um it could and it, and it could refocus images that was kind of the selling point there a refocusing images so you'd be um you'd have what they call living pictures um you could put those in your website through a plugin that they provided and those pictures would have the, all the depth information in them so you could click on a on, on on something that is closer to you and that came in focus with the rest going out of focus or you could click on something that was further away and that would then come in focus so it was this this promise of uh never focus again just point and click and then choose the focus later and that was sounds good to me quite intriguing and I uh, I played with one and I know a lot of people who got one because it was so intriguing. Um, it f had some issues which were mainly in the in the size of the pictures. You, if you wanted to make a normal 2D picture out of one of those, you all you got was 1.2 megapixels, which is not a lot. Um, so resolution was always a problem there. Uh, the other was that the living pictures plug-in um actually by this point in time isn't there anymore so you can't have these living pictures in your websites because they gave up on the on the consumer market and shut it shut shut down that service was that was that never something that you could grab hold of yourself then that plug-in it well, had to be no it had to be hosted on their platform and ah. uh, you can have it on your computer in their software as long as that still works but That's pretty much a dead end now, um, and I and the, and the appeal of it wasn't when, once you had one of those cameras. Most people that I know played with it for a week and then never used it again because it had its limitations. It was a cool proof of concept, a cool technology demonstration, but it didn't really translate into a product that people really wanted. Um, they upped the resolution they came out with a bigger product called the illum i l l u m lightro illum or illum whatever that's pronounced in 2014 <laughs> i remember that one that looked cool that looked like what well, there's a leica that looks very similar to it isn't there like the leica t series or something a like that a bit like that but but the illums um, um pretty much the camera part that is usually um, perpendicular to the lens was kind of diagonal to the lens, so it looked futuristic. And it had, as in addition to to doing the refocusability, it had the zoom built in. It had a different form factor, looked more like a real camera. It I had, so almost bought one of those. You know, if they'd got the price point a little bit more accessible on that one, I'd have snapped one of those things up at the time. Well, and and it ended up if you wanted to 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 render proper like proper like 2d photos out of it you ended up with four megapixels which was a an improvement but it still is, was below what most people want it's still more than any of my displays can display okay i don't have a 4k monitor or a 4k tv and it's true i mean you, you can go a long way with four megapixels but it doesn't sell well if other cameras have 36 megapixels and 40 megapixels absolutely and, you know, so. uh, no 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 i i agree with this but i have a the, 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 elsewhere in my photography joy i i shoot a lot of film and i typically get scans back from the lab at six megapixels and i've yet to have to send one away for rescanning mm. even even if i want to print it 
um uh, so so you know that although four megapixels as you say would never make it on the marketing circuit these days where everybody has 40 megapixels um uh, actually it's still well the interesting it, thing with these lightro cameras is that under the hood the the actual sensor that captures the photos does have a lot more megapixels than what you get out of these and that's uh, that comes down to the t to the light field technology which kind of reduces that in order to you pretty much trade resolution for the uh for the angular information in the in the photo i, I will go into detail how this works or into some detail at least <laughs> yeah not um, too much detail <laughs> you'll so, lose me <laughs> and that that was pretty much the end of their their consumer focus lightro gave up on the consumer market and turned into a company that catered to the professional market with two products in 2015 uh, one they called the Lytro Cinema, which is, well, we'll get into that. The other they called Lytro Emerge, like Im image and immersive kind of put together. Um, and then in, into even a high-end VR video capture camera with a custom server. It's a, it's a very, uh, yeah, it's, it's a product that you wouldn't, buy in a in a best buy he would definitely uh <laughs> hire someone and need specialists for that um and as i said in 2017 the living pictures service then was turned off so whoever has one of these older lightro cameras only has very limited use out of them anyway That's so let's do they not even open source it or anything that's so I don't people think can so. run it on their own web services i it? don't think so and that is not that some... i know of Maybe there was some um, proprietary some, yes, technology so. in there that they're still using, or something. Then I guess so. And we'll 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 try. I'll try to explain what this this the secret sauce is behind it. So the technology for let's look at the image and the cinema um, separately here. Uh, so the cinema, from a tech point of view, has seven hundred and fifty-five megapixels. That's quite a few. As quite a few, as, as we record this in in uh, early 2018, <laughs> that's quite a few. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, up to 300 frames per second. Also, a good number for this I, period of time. <laughs> I don't think at, at full resolution, I would be surprised. But anyway, and up to 16 stops of dynamic range. And, and another impressive number. Now, what we're looking at, of course, is um, the same the same issue. That that's the sensor in there, or the sensors, or whichever way they they um, implemented that. Um, the the thing is, by using this light field technology, requires them to. Well, it 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 drops the resolution significantly. So, they uh, the end resolution that comes out, I think, will probably be. Uh, closer to like four to eight uh 4k to 8k kind of resolution that today's high-end cinema cameras have so i guess if they're going to capture that direction of light, that extra thing that normal cameras don't capture i guess they need you know so it's not a question of uh, if you if some light hits a pixel it ends up in the finished image they've got to be using some pixels for for the image some pixels for depth and some pixels for direction and some pixel yeah i guess or, or sort some of, equivalent of that, sort yeah. of we'll we'll dive into that um but it's pretty much the cinema is pretty much a big light row like like the original lipstick form factor kind of camera just in big that's what i what i think it does it's a photon cannon <laughs> sort of it's huge i mean i've seen i've seen a, a little 
there's a tech video that you can uh, that we we'll link. We we'll link a lot of different sources here in this in the show notes for this episode. Um, but it, what it enables it to do is to see depth using this light field technology that will that I'll try to explain it for the detail. <laughs> but it it enables it to see depth, and that um, that allows it to refocus. It also allows it within limits to relocate the camera after the fact. So you have, a, I think, a 100 millimeter range left and right, up and down, that you can shift the camera. And you can do what they call a depth mat, which is pretty much a virtual green screen without the green. So exactly that. You can get uh, some actors, and, and that's one of their examples, the demos online is, a bunch of actors that they filmed behind the building in the parking lot and then just swapped out the background without having to set up any green screen technology at all. It's just filmed them in that situation and then uh, the camera or the, the system will know where the background is and where the actors are because it has that depth information in it. That'd be, that's pretty impressive. Another thing that they that the system is supposed to enable is uh it's a bit harder to grasp and it's called temporal reconstruction and there we're talking about frames per second we're talking about what's called the shutter angle which is pretty much defines the motion blur in a fo- uh, in, in a picture or in a in a in a movie and that has to change if you use different frame rates if you shoot high frame rate 140 something frames per second you need different um, shutter speeds to go with that. Uh, if, if as uh, then, then if you would do a twenty-four frames per second cinema release, for example, that would need different shutter speeds as well, and you can change those later, which allows you to uh, to release things on different platforms and different things with one source and not with multiple sources. But it's an entire ecosystem, right? It's the camera, it's the server, it's probably the technician that you have by to operate the thing. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, it's amazing. And if uh, I will link a tech video uh, in the sh- in the show notes that gives some. Are there more are there any major pro- are there any major no productions? No, no, they have some some proof of concept productions. It looks really good. the um, The things you can do with it after the fact are amazing. Um, but I think. With as with a lot of things, we might not even find out if that has been used in a production for a while. Uh, similar to the, uh, sim- similar to the, you remember the Matrix and the bullet time effect, where uh, they could, still one of my favorites. They they could stop an actor in jumping in the air and then stop them and circle around the actor while they were frozen in 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 space and then continue the. Okay, that technology. It, it took a while until it was kind of common knowledge how this is done. And um, I think they wanted to, sometimes they, they won't release the technology uh, because they want to keep their, like their, their edge before yeah. they use it, you know, but anyway, that's just guesswork. Um, it, it, this technology is there. It's available. Uh, it doesn't look too bad. It looks like you need very specialized uh uh, equipment for it the camera the server the the person to operate it um but it, it's it's there and it's probably still very expensive and it will come down and that's that kind of stuff we will see more in the future so that is the first thing the second uh product they then released was the image and the image was well originally it was a spherical 
camera array. Think about a soccer ball size um, sphere that has like 100 cameras built into it, looking into all directions. Um, that is not lo no longer there. What they uh, now replace that with is the Emerge 2.0, which is a camera array. Think about a hexagonal array that is one roughly one by one meters in size, so it's big, and it has 50, uh, 95 cameras in it. Okay, is it still a sphere? No, it's not. It's a it's a plane now. Oh right, okay. A one by so one meter flat plane right, with okay. 95 cameras, um, and they can reconfigure them to look all straight ahead, or some look left and right, and it's. The, the, there's a lot of computation after that. But this is another capture uh, device that will allow you to capture not only the, 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 the color and the intensity of light, but also the direction. Again, we're, talk, we're talking directional information there that can later be used um, for, for things to make something more immersive, to, uh, to put something into VR, because... Now that uh, that enables you by using that light field technology to have real 360 and stereoscopic video. Maybe not 360 in the case of the Emerge 2.0, but uh, you will still have stereoscopic video. Have you ever looked into those 360 degree cameras? Uh, I have. I had a play with a, a Ricoh Theta S. Exactly. Yeah, that's the one that I actually have. Ago. Yeah. The, and um, what, what that does is it shoots a 360-degree video. So you have this, um, you have a, a big sphere, pretty much, of video that you can move around in. And if you have a VR headset on, you can just be in that sphere, pretty much. Uh, but it's not stereoscopic because it's shot from one point. So yeah, it, doesn't yes. have, uh, it doesn't have separate information for your left and your right eye. Um, what the Emerge does is it gives you what's called six DOF, six degrees of freedom. You can, in that sphere, you have you have two-dimensional, uh, you have three-dimensional information. So you have separate information for both eyes. And you have the freedom to move forward, backward, up, down, left, right, and your pitch roll. So you have the, the, all, the free, all the degrees of freedom within limits to move around inside. So that is something that will play a role in upcoming VR, um, virtual reality, mixed reality, augmented reality, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so that, that sounds interesting because if it's a flat surface, then it's not going to look behind itself. So you're not going to get a spherical video out of that, but you're going to get a much more natural experience looking forwards and left and right. Right. You will, you will have the information available to you from in front of the camera. Yeah, because okay. I've played. So when I was playing with the the, the Rico Theta S, um, I struggled a little bit because uh, the, the, there's an old saying, isn't there, that you know, uh, photography is a is a process of reduction. It's it's the things you have to get out of the field of view that <laughs> that, that that make that that make the composition, not the things you include in it. Um, and I and I really struggled with that because there's no way that you can reduce the field of view with a camera like that if the field of view is a complete sphere. <laughs> so, true, true, true. Um, so uh, yeah, it it it, ha it it definitely poses its issues for. Well, you have to develop new ways of composing images, of uh, directing attention of the viewer, and that, of course, then will include sound and things as well. So, yep, it's it's a new way of looking at things. But back in back in videography or in filmmaking, 
um, they already had to invent a lot of new things. For example, uh, there was one time when cameras were just stationary, and then at one point in time when they uh, when they became light enough, then uh, the first filmmakers would start moving the camera, which is now the norm you have a movie where the camera moves and that was not the norm for the longest time so the new new visual language will be developed for sure around this and there will be dead ends and there will be areas where they they find something that works really well so we'll see a lot of new experimentation around that they have now a third product by the way which is what they call the volume tracker which is something that will allow you the combination of real footage and 3d uh rendered stuff in vr oh okay so think think roger rabbit but in 3d <laughs> pretty much <laughs> roger rabbit virtual reality yeah, well yeah we're gonna get there uh and and even 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 adobe did some experiments in this uh, light field thing and planoptic things they showed a planoptic lens um back in let me look where it was back in 2004 they had to have the first. Wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And they had a, the first presentation about this in twenty in two thousand six seven. So they 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 have looked into that, but they apparently didn't follow through on that. So the Lytro, Lytro, interesting thing to look at. But now now let's finally. I I hear your questions. What is a light field? What does it actually mean? Because, <laughs> well, because and, and why is another one? <laughs> well, okay. So, so you, as as we as we established, it uh, the camera, the light field camera, captures not only the brightness and the color of those individual spots, but also the direction the light comes from. And it's 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 very hard to explain. And I will link a couple of videos that help uh, that go a tremendous way of explaining this because they also use the proper visuals for it. Um, they are by Paul Ernest Debevec, who is a researcher in computer graphics at the University um, of Southern California's Institute for Creative Technologies. And he this is the best explanation I found for it. Um, but in general, the idea, the initial ideas for light fields date back to Leonardo da Vinci. And it is only now that, that we have uh, pretty much, or that they have pretty much solved this thing. Now, the, okay, let, let me try a very rudimentary um, approach. If you wanted 3D information in front of that plane of the camera, so in, in the direction that you are looking with the camera, um, you would, in theory, have to place cameras everywhere in that space, right? You'd have to fill that space with cameras. So each of the camera yep. can see a different part of that space. And yeah, because even if direction. you can judge depth, you can't see behind things or through things or, or stuff like that. And, and, and you're capturing this from one point, from where you are, with one plane, uh, w with one sensor plane, pretty much. So how does this work? And um, imagine... And it's it's a process of elim elimination, pretty much. Imagine, so so, in theory, if you wanted to capture the, the the spatial information in front of you, you'd have to place a lot of cameras in front of you. Just think of a big array of cameras looking, looking in all directions. Now, um, if you if you look through your camera, the one that you have in your hand, and you look and you point it at something, and then you you move towards that thing 
you slowly like you, you're on a, on a on a dolly system and you move slowly towards that thing there most of the points in this picture will change right yeah yeah over time yeah, I, I can get that. You so, <clears throat> most yeah, of the points will be that bigger you see will change things will be bigger and smaller and, right. and stuff like and the differences between them will change and, and stuff like right. that yeah but there is one point in that picture that will not change What's and that? that is the one right in the middle you move towards Ooh. something that yeah, okay. very central point will not change so you have uh, the same point on your sensor for every for every point along the track that you move yeah, uh, yeah so so i can get you with the theory uh, um, <laughs> as so, as so elimination the, the reality means of that is slightly harder isn't it? it depends on how many cups of coffee you've had and how shaky your hands that, are that does, that, <laughs> don't, don't even go there <laughs> but but the thing is you you move forward and this mm. this this line of cameras the virtual cameras that you would have in this space you could eliminate that one line of cameras because each of those cameras would show the exact same dot in the middle of the sensor yep I think okay. I'm with you so far. Yep. So the same thing is true if you move diagonally towards another point. You could eliminate that line of cameras because you have captured that point. It wouldn't change. So the way... Okay, the, and this is... Yeah, watch the videos. I can only say watch the videos. They will make this much, much clearer. But the thing is... Yeah, you I think can, you've hit on a fundamental flaw of the medium we've chosen for this podcast, haven't you? You're trying to, yes. <laughs> trying to communicate you know, it, complex visual ideas uh, in, through audio is, is tricky. But the, the thing is, you can by... by um, you, you can eliminate a lot of the, the virtual cameras that you would need in that room to get the 3D information. And what they do instead is they put, in front of the sensor, they put an array of lenses, of tiny lenses. They call them lenslets or micro lenses. Imagine a, a sensor that in front of it has an array of, let's say, 4x4, four four, 16 lenses. What will that project on the sensor? It will project 16 circles on the sensor, Right. Yeah, so you have okay, yep. 16 small circular images. But each of those 16 images will be slightly different because it is captured from a different angle. Yes, so you get a bunch of mush on the sensor at that point. Well, but if you look closer, you get a 16 individual upside-down images that are only slightly different from each other. But oh, I see. Sorry, so they're not all overlapping. There are they, they have their own section of the sensor. That exactly. They, can... they are okay, they are next so... to each other. They're not overlapping. They are next to each other. So you have sixteen little circles, uh, sixteen little discs on the sensor that are individual photos that show the entire scene from that perspective of that little lens. So now you have that information. You have angular information because you can now. Uh, compare two of those pictures and see where the differences are and and mathematically pretty much uh, see what angle which point came from because you have that spatial information now that is now going that, that will now go through a lot of computation and it will enable you to um, first of all reposition the camera because you have that spatial information at least across the size of the sensor um, yep. And it will computationally pretty much allow you to reconstruct the photo from any point in the space in front of the camera. 
Okay, that one's a bit of a stretch from my brain, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you. I'll tr- it, it is it is a stretch from my brain, and I had to watch some of those videos uh, a couple of times to finally go, oh, oh. <laughs> and okay. it, it, it's this aha moment. and um, So you're quite good at the science and the engineering stuff. I mean, you, you know, if this show was to appoint a chief scientist, it would definitely be you and not me. But... <laughs> But you had to watch them a couple of times, did you? So for me, I'll have to watch them three or four, I guess. Right. But 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 what it comes down to is, well, first of all, it reduces re- resolution because now you can see that those 16 different lenses make 16 different discs. So at this point, you have a 16th of the resolution, pretty much. Um, that's why you need these immense megapixels to make yes. this work and i was doing some mental arithmetic actually because even if you just had a, a sensor that was four thousand sorry well, yeah four thousand pixels by four thousand pixels if you had to split that so technically that would be a 16 megapixel sensor wouldn't it right and then if you had to split that down to 16 they would each be squares of of 1000 by 1000 right and which actually so so you might have a 16 megapixel sensor but you end up with a one megapixel a one by one image well that that's 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 my initial that was my initial thought but then i guess there is inter extrapolation kind of stuff going on in the mathematics to increase that slightly and for the lighter cinema for the big 755 megapixel camera for professional use, they are, we were talking about, um, well, I, I saw this in a video where someone explained, um, f- they, they're talking millions of micro lenses in front of that. So we're not talking 16. That was just a, a number to make it easier to understand, but we're no, talking millions of, of, of uh, lenses in front of that. And then there's certainly a lot of math to to squeeze out as much as possible from that. But the, the thing is, we are looking at at all these different little image circles that are produced, and those uh, mathematically can w- w- allow you to reconstruct depth information, allow you to reconstruct uh, spatial information. And pretty much that's what is the angle, the capturing of the angle of the different light rays is by seeing the same light rays in all of these little disks, but at a different spot inside those discs okay Okay. so again watch the videos this is all i can say it does make a lot of more sense uh, yes all right so so i i think i understand the basic principles though so that 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 okay so so that's a a description of a light field i've got some homework to do because i've got to go and follow some of the links in the show notes Mm -hmm. uh, and really immerse myself in it and the, so, the original Lytro, by the way, the lipstick Lytro, uh, had an 11 megapixel sensor. That's what I could figure out from from one of the videos. So oh, they right, okay. did some they did some math, and I don't know how, what the what the amount of mini lenses in there was, but that was pretty much the idea. And the Lytro Emerge 2.0, that one meter by one meter 95 camera array, does something similar, but they don't use the tiny lenses in front of one sensor, but they use just bunch of cameras um to to capture right, those camera individual there. circles inside the cameras and then those will be mathematically um yeah put, put into the into the light field or they will be well they are they capture a light field but they will be mathematically uh squeezed into into those different results and um as you do not have a an area that covers the entire surface, but there are there are there are 
there's space between those individual cameras there will be some uh, probably some estimation what is going on between those cameras so there's it's it's mathematicians will love that okay I was never good at uh, math, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so have you got more science to drop on us? No, or is now time is, to ask our standard question? That is plenty, but yes, our standard question. What could this mean for the future of photography? Well, well, <laughs> well, well. <laughs> We're looking at, well, with this system and f- photography, cinematography, whichever way you want to look at it, we do we do still have the same advantages that, that we had with other... With the, the original Lytro, with other light field cameras, Lytro is not the only one. There are other cameras out there that do light fields, most of them more for an industrial use, but um, they are there. And yes, the refocusing is definitely one of the uh, important areas. If you shot a scene, um, of, let's say a close-up of an actor and the eyes are not quite in focus, you'd have to reshoot this, now you don't. So it saves money. Um, the change in depth of field, again, you can tell a story by using depth of field properly, by directing attention towards things. And the change in depth of field now, you, you can do depth of field changes, um, easily do depth of field changes that, that, that take place over, over a few seconds in a, in a, in a, in a movie, which was hard to do before because changing the depth of field means changing the aperture. And then you'd have to change the shutter speed at the same time to keep the same exposure. And that is a tough thing to do. And now mm. this is just a just a slider. So that will open up new creative possibilities. Um, you can do interesting things like tilt uh, tilt lenses. You can simulate a tilt lens because yeah, now you can virtually tilt the, 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 the plane of focus through the picture, whichever way you want. Because so what do you think about that? That's an interesting one because you love tilt shift. So what do you, what do you think about that? Oh, uh, this this enables a lot of things. Even though I do not use the tilt function quite as lot as I uh, as much as I use the the shift function. So shift would be my uh, my preferred thing, but the shift doesn't, that doesn't do anything with light fields. Shift is not a it's not an no, issue. I mean, here. you do that optically. I mean, you, you have special lenses for your cameras, don't you? That do right. that optically. So, but uh, but I know that's a thing that you like to do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And in in filmmaking, what's also known uh, as a creative tool is what's called the split diopter, which is pretty much a lens, a close up lens that is only half a lens. So you put it on the camera, and then half your scene is closer, and the other half is further away. Um, lots of lots of uh, famous movies have used that for scenes where um where you'd have something really close in front of the camera uh, one example is a phone in front of the camera a telephone like with a cable you remember those mm. and uh, an actor being in the background grabbing that phone and it's the, his hand is in focus grabbing that that receiver um which is tough to do if you don't want to work with a really small aperture and then lose light this way so you could easily do these kind of things so there will be new creative ways of uh, of filming for sure um there are of course also issues lots of data <laughs> we're talking uh, with, <laughs> yeah, it does with, sound like quite a lot of data coming out of these things. with 755 megapixels at 300 <laughs> frames per second um we're talking we're talking uh like a half a terabyte of yeah. uh of data coming out there for every single frame you're talking about needing a a, a 
a, a hardware optimized data center to do your rendering at that point i mean we're talking disney pixar on steroids aren't we we're, we're talking we're talking specialized that's why, why i said camera and server and personnel to run yeah. it um, yes. and air conditioning unit and server and, farm yeah, uninterruptible power supply <laughs> where we're, we're talking this a lot of this stuff will probably go into the cloud you need a fast fiber connection and then it's in the cloud and the number crunching happens up on some maybe maybe amazons or someone's servers up there you know they they have lots of uh lots of firepower there um the the density of the arrays that they use is another issue because uh, you need to interpolate perspectives between those individual lenses if you want to be really good um the one one area where they what i saw in one of the videos where they are still not good enough to do this to do this really good looking is with water so moving water poses its challenges it has mm. posed its challenges in in 3d in in cg in in computer games um it's only now getting to the point where it looks hard to distinguish from real water and yeah, smoke they render water as well i'm sure so so capturing that properly is still a bit difficult but in general um we will see new creative possibilities and they are coupled with new challenges and it's in general an interesting area to go into it is it is it's it's um, for, for for me this is really speculative because we saw that we saw Lytro start out with something consumer based and now they've moved to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. Um, you know, I, I know the technology is different, but this resonates with me in the consumer space with stuff we've already spoken about, actually, um, which is, you know, what uh, phones are doing with dual dual camera phones and capturing depth information. And, you know, you now have these emerging new file formats or at least containers you know things like uh what's the the one called um i know it's not Heath. apple proprietary yes thank you yeah -E um, which is actually image a, format yes yeah which is actually a uh, an open standard i think from the mpeg consortium well it right? is open i don't know who, who brought it up but yeah. uh because i, I it may not it, it may not be mpeg but it's an open standard i know that apple are really the only one who've solidly embraced it or at least marketed that they've solidly embraced it um but that's you know so so uh, there's there's all these things moving around in my mind but they're very much at the polar ends of the spectrum yeah so the, there's the there's the phone thing and then there's the enormous hollywood array that comes with its own data center and right. staff and, um, and i think i think for from a from an individual point of view from a consumer point of view it will mean that you will see different kind of imagery i don't think that you will um that you will be taking a lot of that imagery yourself at this point because we saw lytro fail in the consumer market for exactly those reasons it's expensive it is it loses resolution yeah i was i always thought it was a shame the ilm never made it i thought the ilm had promise actually um as I said, I almost, almost bought one, but I suspect there's a lot of people who might say that. Who and and for me, the 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 real deciding factor is the price point um, that they put it out at. It was more than I was prepared to experiment with. And maybe, maybe people also, at least some people, noticed that adding those options in post production, the option to choose the focus, to t to nudge the camera left and right, to change the depth of field, and all these options do not really help uh, often. Um, we've seen this, the more choice does not make you more happy. 
usually. So <laughs> we, there's there's a lot of that research. That is so exactly. true. There's a lot of research about this. Um, we could go into this in quite some depth, but it, it is it is not necessarily going to make you uh, a happier photographer. Uh, giving you this option, no. it might it might it might actually do the to do the opposite. So yeah, I think you might be right because there's very few people who are prepared to brutally cull their images and focus on just one or two and and actually work them. Yes. So before we let you off the hook of this lengthy episode, <laughs> just well, <laughs> things happen. Um, just two two little things, two housekeeping things. The first is we're still looking for uh, well your input on our. T-fop day. T-fop. T-fop. Let's go, let's go with T-fop. T-fop day. The future photography day. We're still looking um, at, at doing this in 2018, late 2018, as it looks right now. Um, but we want your input on what activities would you like to do there. It's It is going to be in the UK, so we want your location preference for the UK. Let us know um, what you think we should be doing on that day. And there's, there's activities, potential activities, um, just a general shake hands and say hi to, to a photo walk, to uh, having dinner together, to do a live recording of this show in front of uh, an audience of, well, hopefully a lot of people. Will. <laughs> I'd like to shoot a movie or with light field cameras, please. <laughs> uh, simple enough. Yeah, gear swaps, of course. If you have a, if, <laughs> if you have an original Lytro, bring it and everyone can have a go at the refocusing the photos um <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be awesome <laughs> that would be that would be amazing so um th to get to that go to the show notes uh, of this episode 15 is it it yes, is it episode is. 15 yes. and uh, and and click on the link or type in your browser tfttf.com slash tfop day tfop day and uh yeah let us know your preference if you would be interested at all or if that's a silly idea to do such a meetup the second thing in our housekeeping section is um that we'd like to re remind you that we are happy to take some donations um <laughs> there is there is this wonderful way to support what we do here we would do this without the support we would be happy to do this without the support but but a little bit of support can help us out with like server costs and uh, the time we spend for all the research that we do for the show and so yeah. on a little bit of support can go a very long way indeed it can and it's your choice uh, how much how big that support is of course you can always just let other people know on your social media and point them to this show we want to definitely want to grow the audience for the future of photography but um, there's also this this neat little system for uh, some financial support of your choice like can go as low as one cent a week if you want to um but it could also be like 20 dollars uh 20 euros a month whichever way you prefer it's completely your choice the system is called libera pay and we are going to link this in the show notes or also over at the future of photography there's a a yellow button that you can press to give us some regular support which will help us yeah just plan better so that's it for the housekeeping the tfop day and libra pay to support us and that's it for today thank you for listening and until next week take care thanks folks bye bye you've been listening to the future of photography a production by adrian stock and chris marquardt subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts Find the show notes and more information at 
thefutureofphotography.com. 